Well, get your Bibles open. I just want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight about something the Lord has put on my heart. In Matthew chapter 5, if we'll start there. Matthew chapter 5. I want to talk about the responsibility of righteousness. Amen. The responsibility of righteousness. There's some, there's some things in the Bible that are so clear but are so hard to explain sometimes. How many have found that? To get a grip on it, to understand it the way God wants us to understand it. And we can confuse things many times when we begin to read the scriptures. And, and one of the reasons there's so much confusion today in the world is because people have re read the scriptures and just kind of gone off whichever way the direction felt like they were being led. And if we're not careful, we can get pulled away from a truth and God wants us to take the full counsel of God, read, them all, read all the scriptures, bring it all together, and get an understanding. So I want to start off in Matthew chapter 5, and I don't have time to do it, and I'm not going to do it, but if I began to go around and ask different people, I asked a few people before the service, what is righteousness? You'd get a lot of different answers, and you'd get a lot of different thoughts, and uh, there's, there's ne not necessarily any wrong or right answer, but we have a thought in our mind, what is righteousness, and we, how we relate it to God, and all these different things. Is that, you got that thing, Daniel? And uh, I put something up on the, on the website today, and I think he's going to pop it up. I don't know how well you're going to be able to see it, but I'll kind of read it there. Here, here's what a dictionary might say, morally upright, without guilt or sin, in accordance with virtue or morality, Morally justifiable. And the last one is Christ-likeness. Now, let's go into the Bible tonight. I, I was just thinking about this uh, the, the last few days, and I said, God, help me get this out. And, and you begin to study, and there's so many scriptures on this, and there's so many directions that you can go. But I want to start off by what, seeing what Jesus said. And before we read that, think back all the way to the book of Job. How many know that uh, the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible? It was written be even before Genesis. And uh, no one said amen, so maybe you didn't know that. And it was uh, written in, in the first chapter. Um, I'll read it for you if you just hold there in Matthew chapter 5. I want to read something out of that. God is talking about Job, and he says these words. He says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and it says, and that man was blameless and upright. Amen? So there's a good definition right there of what righteousness is. Uh, God basically said that he was a man who, who would, would obey the laws, who would listen to what God would say, who was uh, doing what God asked him to do. But as, as we think about this tonight, I want you to uh, think about something even more, which is this, is God is always looking at our hearts. I would say that Job was not perfect because we know that no man or woman is. But there was something inside of Job which was a rectitude, which was a righteousness in his heart towards God. And he said, I want to serve the Lord. Amen. I want to be like God. I want to make God happy. And he must have been doing a good job for God himself to say that he was a man who was blameless and upright and then here's the key, one who feared God and shunned evil. 
Amen. So if you're taking notes tonight, this would be a good uh, definition to write down, and we're going to see a few different things, and I'm going to do some teaching tonight, but this would be one good definition is uh, someone who's blameless. Now, we know that blameless means you're, sta- you're staying out of the way of acu- being accused, okay? And, and, and that ac- accusation, if it were to come, would be false. Because there are going to be times you get accused of something. But you would know and God would know that you were not guilty and that you didn't do it. And you can try your best to avoid those things that would cause you to be blamed for something. And so there's a state of blamelessness. And it says upright. Upright in God. Standing in God and saying, God, I'm, I'm following you and I want to be like you. And then here's a real key to me in my heart and my spirit. One who feared God. How many know we've got to have the fear of the Lord if we're going to make it for him? Amen. We need to have a, and it's not a, it's not a fear, church, that, oh, God's scary. It's a fear of reverence. You need to stop sometimes as we sing these songs tonight about worship and think, here I am to worship you. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to humble myself in your presence because you are such a humongous God. And sometimes we can come into church or just be going through our life and we forget how big God is and how powerful God is. And that we are just little tiny specks, not in God's eyes, but in the, in the size of God. And in his righteousness and in his holiness. And there's got to be a reverence. And I think many of you would agree with me tonight. I think there's a huge lack of that today. Even in the what would be called the Christian world is that reverence of God. Amen. The reverence of God. Saying, God, I love you so much that I, I fear you in reverence and in love. And there's a respect that I have for God that makes me do this last part, which is shunned evil. When you love God and you fear God in respect, you don't want to do wrong. Amen? So there's just a little example from the book of Job for some stuff to write down. I'm going to go back to Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to show you why it's so important that first of all we have righteousness. And second of all, why we need Jesus. Verse 17 of Matthew chapter 5. Say amen if you're there. Look what Jesus says. In his words in red letters, don't think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. For assuredly, I say, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one little tittle will by any means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Now, how many know Jesus fulfilled the law when he died on the cross? He had not yet done that yet. And he is saying here, I'm going to do that. I'm going to fulfill the law. I'm going to take care of this. But you've got to understand, he's basically saying, if I don't come and do what I have to do, you can't stand. He's basically saying here, listen, I'm a big God and I have big requirements that I have realized you cannot live up to. Even if you try your very best, You cannot live up to it. Amen? And on that note, let me give you another verse. If you're taking notes, I'll read it. You don't have to go there for time. Stay in Matthew. Isaiah 64, 6 is a reminder to you and to me that I'll never, ever, ever be able to stand in God's sight without Jesus. It says in Isaiah 64, 6, we are all like an unclean thing. All of us. We are all unclean. 
Many times, how many have ever heard of self-righteousness? We can have a self-righteousness and we can have a thought in my mind that, you know what, I'm better than somebody else. And hey, if we were to line up and, you know, do numbers and all that, there are people who act better and walk better and talk better and, and have more character and all those different things. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter how good you are, you are still, Isaiah 64, 6 says, filthy. Come on. I'm just telling you what we are. He says, my righteousness, verse 6, is like filthy rags. Look at somebody next to you and say, you are like a filthy rag. Just kidding. (laughs) Pastor gave me permission. Been waiting for that. It says, we all fade as a leaf. All our iniquities are like the wind. And listen, they've taken us away. We are tonight without God, without Jesus, separated from God. No matter how good we are. Now let me throw this out here for a second. The amazing thing, not about Christianity, not to put that word on it, because we know that that's a huge word and uh, it's been watered down today, but the amazing thing about being a believer in the word of God is how it sets us apart from the other religions religions i'm not calling us a religion or i'm just saying the belief system because the other belief systems believe and teach that we can get get to god through our righteousness through our goodness through our good acts through our 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 uh, morals and through all those different things and, and if you think about, for example, Islam is a religion, one of the many, that teaches that, with, that only righteousness and good works can get you to heaven. If we stand on that tonight, on a belief system at all that says, my good works will get me to heaven, can you imagine living every day wondering if you are good enough to make heaven? And if I made a mistake once, is that one mistake going to send me to hell? If a religion, a teaching, uh, is telling me that I have to be perfect to make heaven, how many know nobody, nobody will be in heaven? Nobody. Not Billy Graham, not Mother Teresa, not the greatest, most amazing person you could ever think of in your life, parent, friend, somebody you know that you just say, man, that person's amazing. They would not make heaven because of one mistake. Because perfection is expected by that God to get into heaven. And the bottom line is, it was the same with our God. With the God. He expected perfection. And I'm going to show you that right here. Want to see it? Want to see what Jesus expects of us? He says, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And watch this in verse 19. He says, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments. Oh, I've never murdered anybody. Oh, I've never committed adultery. I've never, you know, you think of all these big sins. And we think, well, because I haven't done the big ones, I'm good. He says, whoever has committed one of the least of these commandments. The white lie. The tiny little anger part. Whatever. He says, and teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, watch this, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Then he makes a statement that gets us to understand where we need to be with God. 
He says, for I say to you, this is Jesus Christ, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. He's basically saying, church, if you're going to depend on your goodness and your righteousness and your faithfulness and your morality, you are not going to get to heaven. He says there's only one way to get into heaven, and that is through perfection, and none of us are perfect. That puts us all on a level ground. It's not fair, maybe, you say, well, how can I be on the same ground as a good moral person that abides by the law, never been arrested, don't have a court, you know, don't have a, a record, I, I've been good, I've only been married once, and you can go all down the line, all these different things you've done, but you are on the same level playing field as a murderer, an adulteress, a fornicator, and all the bad things you could ever list put together, you're all on the same playing field and it's called sinful on a road to hell because only perfection can stand in the presence of God how many are with me righteousness what does it have to do with responsibility I'm going to show you I want you now to go quickly to Romans chapter 3 just be ready to see a few verses tonight. I'm going to get through this real quick Romans chapter 3 and this isn't really a, a message I can do in one night. There's a lot to, to be said. Romans chapter 3. Let's look at verse 21. But now, now, why now? After the death of Christ, after the paid price of Jesus on the cross, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, what is it? Through faith in who? Jesus Christ. To all and all, on all, sorry, who, what? Believe. For there is no difference. And watch verse 23 and look at the equal playing field. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God of God I want you to stop right there and I want you to remember that every day you wake up and not as a condemnation to yourself not as a oh God he, he hates me he can't see me I'm such a failure but as a reminder that I need to humble myself and realize without God I have no hope in this world because I'm a miserable sinner and all of us have fit, fallen short of his glory and without Jesus I have nothing nothing without Jesus nothing absolutely nothing are you following me all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God but watch this but being justified freely by his grace we sing about that tonight it's only by your grace that we are saved through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus when you pray you need to say Lord thank you for my redemption thank you Lord for redeeming me from the state of sin that I was in and watch verse 25 whom God set forth as a propiti I can't even say that word good say it for me somebody thank you there's just some words it's just tough by his blood you know what that means he took my place that's a simple way to understand it by his blood through faith 
to demonstrate his what? Righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Remember, my sins are like filthy rags tonight. I have fallen short of the glory of God. What do you want to say about righteousness? What about responsibility, my responsibility of righteousness? Why am I responsible? Because now I understand how great of a debt has been paid for my life. And now I say, God, I've got to to love you so much, and I do love you so much, that I'm going to live a life that is pleasing to you. And I'm not going to take advantage of the fact that you died and paid that price for me. I'm not going to live my life every day looking about how I can get away with what I can get away with. I'm not going to look for the loopholes. I'm not going to try to find the ways that I can get away with what I want but not really hurt you, God. I love you so much and I'm so thankful. I'm going to spend the rest of my life being responsible for my salvation. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is what I really want to bring this thought into tonight. We are responsible tonight for God's righteousness. How many understand that tonight? Why? Why am I responsible? Because you're the sinner and I'm the sinner that he had to come and die for. I'm responsible for his death. And you need to take that personal tonight. We need to take that personal. This is not a corporate thing. This is a personal thing. We're not all going to stand before God someday as a group. You can't stand before God as a family. You're not going to stand there and hold hands. You're going to stand there by yourself. Somebody should have said amen right there. Or woe is me. Amen. Listen, you need to understand that, hey, family, walking as a family is great. And and coming to church as a family is even better. But you have to understand for yourself, you put Jesus on the cross. I put Jesus on the cross. I'm responsible for his death. And if I'm responsible for his death, I need to be responsible for his righteousness too. Because he's freely given it to me. And what are we good at? We're good at taking things, but not really taking care of them. God has given everything to us and all he's really asked us to do in return is be responsible. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 20. Now then, here's where the responsibility comes in. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf Be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Read that again and think about it. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. I'm responsible for his death. I'm responsible for him coming down and having to leave heaven. And you might say, no, that was Adam and Eve. Put it on yourself. Because that's the only way you're going to remember that I owe Jesus my life. And you're going to think about it next time you be tempted to sin and hurt that Savior that came to die for you. And you're going to be more responsible about your walk and your salvation and the righteousness that God has placed on you. Because you're going to remember, I'm not just saved. I'm not just a child of God. I am an ambassador for Jesus Christ. 
that we might become, listen, the righteousness of God in him. Think about this for a second. Maybe some of y'all don't know what an ambassador is. You might have heard the word. But an ambassador is a representative of a country in a foreign land. Now think about that. What, what makes me an ambassador? I am a representative of Jesus Christ in this foreign land. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. That means that I'm not affected or led or determined or changed or moved by the things of this world because I'm not of this world. I'm a foreigner in this place. One of the reasons we fail so many times on our responsibility to righteousness is because we don't understand that. We're too involved in this world. We don't, forget, we don't remember that we are just passing through and this world is not our home. This is just a place that we've been placed upon for this very reason, the Bible says, for us to be ambassadors, for us to be representatives of him. How many know that if you begin to think like this, that you begin to think about the responsibility that we have? Listen, not to, to be good to be saved. Let me reiterate that for the 50 billionth time. Case we still think that. Not, I'm not responsible and, and wanting to walk in righteousness so that I can be in that good standing with God. I can't. I already explained that to you at the beginning. I walk that way and I think that way and I talk that way because I love God and I understand He's placed a, a, a mantle on me. He's called me a royal priesthood. He's called me a holy nation. He's called me beloved. He's called me son. He's called me child. He's, he's given me all these names. And I say, God, I want to live up to that responsibility that you've placed upon me. Not so that I can get into heaven, but so that I can see, let other people see who you are in me. In me. Amen. That's what we have to understand. Because if I begin to ask you, what's righteousness? And you say, well, it's the will of God. Or, well, it's being right. Or, it's being holy. And you say all these different things. I got news for you, church. God's not on this earth. Physically. Jesus Christ has already ascended to the Father. He's sitting at the right hand. He's not here physically. Guess who, our, guess who God's representation is? Us. Guess who's going to give the, the example of who Jesus Christ is? Us. Guess who's going to be the person who says, what is it like to be Christ? Who is Christ? Christ's likeness, righteousness, is men and women of God taking responsibility for the fact that they placed Jesus on the cross and saying, Lord, I'm going to be responsible for my sins. And I'm going to live the rest of my life indebted to you. And I'm going to walk as an ambassador for you. And yeah, I'm going to make some mistakes. And yeah, I'm going to fail. But I'm not using it as a license to sin. I'm using it as a place to call upon you when I do fail. And, and call upon your grace when I make a mistake. But God, I want to do everything I can to be an ambassador for you. To be an example of who Jesus Christ is to this lost world that doesn't recognize they're lost. They would see Jesus in me. Amen. A foreigner, sorry, a diplomat, a representative in a foreign country. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, please. Just want to show you a few more verses. 
Ephesians chapter 4. I hope God's helping me get this out. The responsibility of righteousness. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. We can't accept this salvation and, and just, oh, thanks God. I'll never know how much it cost. I'll never know how much it meant. I'll never know, that song says, I'll never know what it felt like to take my sin on him. Talk about innocent. God was innocent. He, the Bible says in that verse we read, he came down and he, he, became, he became sin for us. Him that knew no sin, him who was perfect, him who had no responsibility for our sin, came down and paid our price. I think that we as believers tonight, church, should, should get a little more jealous of the things of God. I think we should walk a little bit more in righteousness and holiness. I think we should hate the things of the world. I think we should hate sin a little bit more. I think we should love God more and hate sin more and, and be tired of, of, of anybody around us who's bring a mockery to the things of God and not stand for those things. And if they're being that way, lead them by your example. Amen. And be responsible. Say it with me. Responsible for God's righteousness understanding that I'm only righteous in him but that he has clothed me Isaiah 61 says he's clothed me with his righteousness and when you wake up in the morning and you spend some time in prayer you make it look like the jacket you just put it on you don't leave the jacket at home and say well I'm going to take the day off of my responsibility today I'm going to put it on and I'm going to wear it and as I've got it on, I'm going to remember this, this coat is representative of Jesus. And I need to live a life. I need to talk like Jesus would talk. Oh, that WWJD, that's, that's a great thing. But how often do we do it? How often do we really stop and think, how would Jesus react to this situation? What would Jesus say in this situation? Listen, this is not a condemnation message to make us feel worthless. Because we already know we are worthless. If you're in the right place with God, you understand in your humility that you have nothing to offer God except your life. And that God, I, I, I'm going to give everything I can back. And yes, I'm going to fail. And yes, I'm going to make mistakes. But I'm going to walk every day understanding that people are looking at me to see the righteousness of God. To see what righteousness is. Look at Ephesians 4. This really, really helps sum it up. Verse 17. Say amen if you're there. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Who's a Gentile? Everybody here. You should no longer walk as the world walks in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. How many know some people like that? Because of the ignorance that is in them. We're not saying this. God's saying this through His Word. They're ignorant. They don't understand that they're responsible. Stop there just for a second. Remember, church, every sinner is going to pay for their sin. Let me say that again. Every sinner is going to pay for their sin. And we would too if it wasn't for Jesus. He says, in their ignorance, 
that is in them. Keep going on. Verse 18. Because of the blindness of their heart. We get saved and we forget we used to be blind too. He's talking about us maybe a few months ago or a few years ago. He's not talking about other people. He's talking about anybody who was lost. I once was lost, but now I found. I was blind, but now I see. We understand now the light has come on. And I understand, he says, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you, say me, I have not so learned in Christ, he says. If indeed you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, watch this, that you put off concerning your former conduct. Put it off. That old man has to be killed every day. The Bible says, I die daily. Ah, that's that old man. That's that old man. Don't be that old man. Don't be that old woman. You have to put that off, the Bible says. Now, how many understand that what I'm reading right now, now is my responsibility? He's not talking about what Jesus did on the cross. He's talking to us now. Because here's the problem today with a lot of teaching on righteousness. We put everything on Jesus and don't have anything on us. We don't do anything. We just accept it and walk in it. We just do, we just go. But he's saying we got something to do. We have a responsibility here. We have to, we have to take care of what God has asked us to do. He says that you put off. That's a verb. That means we have to do something. He says you put off. You fight that old man. You fight that old flesh. You don't just do what you feel like doing when you feel like doing it. How many have realized in your sin that the sin has consequences? Has anybody realized that? Might not have sent you to hell. Might you're still here. But you have a consequence from that sin. And how many know if you'd have thought before you did it, you might have said, I, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that because this is going to cost me. Not my salvation, but this is going to cost me some problems here. I think I'm not going to do this. I think I'm, I'm going to think twice about that. I'm going to put that old man off. Concerning your former conduct, go with me. Verse 22, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And what do we got to do? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you, here we go again, responsibility, put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. If he says put on church, that's us. He says I died for you so that you could go to heaven. But while you're on this earth, I need you to put off that old person. I need you to make some choices. I need you to be responsible for your walk. Responsible for your righteousness. Because guess what guys? He left it to us. He left it to us. He's not here. Can I say that again? God is not here. He's not on this earth. He chose. I don't know why. I don't know why he chose us. I wouldn't have chose us. You wouldn't have chose us if you're smart. But he chose us. He chose humanity to be his righteousness. He chose humanity to be his example. He left the, the work to us and said, now, I've paid the price so that you can come in 
But the only way they're going to know about me is through you. If you're responsible for your righteousness, people will follow you. Because if we're living like the world, they're not going to want to follow us. They already are. They need to follow something different. They need to say there's something different about you. You're not perfect. I know you're not perfect. But there's something different about you. You don't act like everybody else acts. You don't react like everybody else reacts. You don't talk like everybody else talks. There's something about you that's different. I mean, no, that's being responsible. That's saying, God, I'm going to be responsible for what I did to you and for what you've done to me. Let me say that again because y'all are yawning and going to sleep on me. I'm going to be responsible for what I did to you, what I do to him. I put him on the cross. What did he do for me? He gave me eternal life. So I'm going to be responsible for my sin and I'm going to be responsible for what he did for me to take me out of my sin. I'm going to walk worthy of his high calling. I'm going to walk as that ambassador for Christ and, 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 and say, God, I know you're pleading through me. I'm going to listen. I'm going to obey. Musicians, you can come tonight. Responsibility of righteousness. This is a big subject. There's a lot of stuff to be talked about here. There's a lot of things that can be said here. There's a lot of things that you can go lots of different directions. But I want you tonight to take this serious. I want you to understand tonight that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. That means they've put on the new man and cast off the old one. He's coming back for a church that's not going to be like the five virgins who've lost their oil and are too busy with the world and in love with the world. He's coming back for a church that's looking for him. He says, count yourselves worthy. He says be, that you be called worthy to not go through the judgment that's coming upon this earth. Amen, church? He's looking for a church that's responsible with his righteousness. Responsible with his holiness. He says in Hebrews, seek peace with men and holiness without such no one will see God. See, there's a balance. This walk with God is a balance. I understand I'm not good enough to be saved. But now that I am and I put my faith in 100% in Christ and the work He did, I'm going to walk responsible for His debt He paid for me. If somebody bought you a house tonight and paid for it in full, paid for it in full, here's your house. Here's the keys. I give it to you. You don't owe me anything. All you have to do is keep up the yard. All you have to do is pay the utilities. You, there's no mortgage. See the balance? God gave us eternal life. All he's asking for us to do is be responsible for the things he's asked us to do. He has asked us to do some things. He's asked us to keep up that walk, that righteousness. He's asked us to make, make it that our house. The Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That we would walk in a way that would be pleasing to God. That someone would look at us and say, that's God. God's in that person. How will you know that you're my disciples, Jesus said. How will they know? that you love one another. Amen? Father, I pray tonight that what you put in my spirit and my heart and I said tonight gets to us. And Lord, we as a church tonight, as a body, would be responsible 
for our righteousness. Responsible for the debt you paid. You paid that debt we could never pay. We owed a debt we could never pay, Lord God. We, there's, there's no way. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. But Lord, we make a decision tonight to be responsible for what we did in our sin nature. We're not going to point the finger at somebody else. We're not going to say they're worse than me or they're better than me. We're going to look up to you and say, God, where am I at with you? How am I doing? What needs to change? What do you need to take away? What, what, what attitude do I have that needs to be broken? What, what, what mindset do I have that needs to be renewed? What actions am I doing that aren't pleasing to you? And, and Lord, we humble ourselves before you tonight. We obey you tonight, God, and we love you because your word says you first loved us. Oh, God wants us to live for him. He wants us to be ambassadors tonight. Amen. As your, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed,